1954, 25-year-old Martin Luther King Jr. became pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. In his first year at the church, King completed his PhD from Boston University. His first child, Yolanda, was born. And he became one of the key figures in the Montgomery bus boycott, which catapulted him into the national consciousness as a central figure in the civil rights movement. Over the next 13 years, he transformed the world through his leadership in nonviolent direct action in Montgomery, Albany, Birmingham, Selma, St. Augustine, Chicago, Memphis, and so many more. He inspired the world through his writing and with his impeccable sermons and speeches, which remain at the top of the finest oratories ever recorded. He made history at the March on Washington, in a Birmingham jail, in a pilgrimage to India, and in receiving the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. Along the way, King would be stabbed, assaulted, his house would be bombed, his own government put him under surveillance, and he was arrested 29 times. <laughs> that 25-year-old doctoral candidate and pastor would never see his 40th birthday. He was assassinated in Memphis on April 4th, 1968. Here at St. Mike's, we celebrate King's legacy year-round. He remains an exemplary leader to whom we turn often. In fact, in our sermon podcast, if you, those of you who have not listened to the sermon podcast, I, I highly recommend checking them out. <laughs> uh, but we, in, in the little sound clip at the beginning, you will hear a clip of Dr. King. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord from his last public speech. But today we join the nation in honoring the saint born this day, January 15th, 1929. At birth, he was given the name Michael King, the same as his father. In 1934, his father changed both of their names following a trip to Germany to attend the Fifth Baptist World Alliance Congress in Berlin. Imagine that, going from Atlanta to 1934 Berlin. Dr. King's life and legacy are immense, more than we can sum up here today. Within the broader culture, his enduring legacy hinges on two things his work for civil rights using nonviolent direct action, and his dream. Mention Dr. King to any school child in the United States or ask any adult to quote MLK, and they will come up with 
I have a dream. King's speech from the March on Washington. Ironically, the dream portion of that speech was never supposed to happen. It was an impromptu edition in which King deviated from a script that dozens of other leaders had been over with a fine-toothed comb. But King had the idea for the dream sitting in his back pocket. He wanted to read it, but others feared it would degrade the speech's other theme, what he calls the fierce urgency of now. When you watch or listen to this speech, you can hear the singer Mahalia Jackson goad King saying, tell them about the dream. It's only after that statement that King shifts to those historic words. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. King's dream becomes God's dream. As he joins his voice with Isaiah, Elijah, and John the Baptist saying, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh. See it together. King's dream was the kingdom of God. This depiction of the kingdom came, the kingdom come, gave us a new vision for America. It gave us a new ideal, something to look for, something to work for, something to strive for. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? These words of Jesus in the gospel today stand out at this time when so many of us have lost our vision of what the country will be. Like MLK, John the Baptist gave his people a vision. He told them to look for God among them. And in the passage today, he sees that promise. Look, here is the Son, the Lamb of God. John says as Jesus walks by, John's eager and astute disciples listen to him and they go looking to Jesus to better understand God. As they approach, Jesus asks them, what are you looking for? It's a powerful, multivalent question. What is it you want what do you long for? What do you long to see? Why do you want to follow me? Do you even know what you're looking for? When the would-be disciples fail to answer the question, <laughs> when they ask another question in return, Jesus invites them, come and see. 
come and see. Come and see the kingdom of God. Come and see the nature of God revealed. Come and see what you long to see. As we sang earlier, come and go with me to that land where I'm bound. Jesus begins his ministry by showing his disciples the kingdom of God right there with them. Jesus gives them a vision. That vision is very different from what they expected. They expected a Messiah that would overturn the political oppression. They expected a prophet who would condemn all sinners and begin a new order that would last forever. They did not expect the cross. Even today, after thousands of years, Jesus' teaching runs contrary to our, our expectations. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't do that every day. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Even with the example of Jesus' self-sacrifices, Jesus' teaching teachings are contrary to our expectations. But that is their power. It is the power of nonviolent direct action. It is the power of love in the face of hatred. Congressman John Lewis, who worked alongside King, who at 23 years old was the youngest speaker at the March on Washington, who was the first of the freedom fighters to be assaulted in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and who had his skull cracked on Bloody Sunday in Selma, John Lewis knows the power of the Jesus way in practice. He said in a recent interview that you must always appeal to the goodness of everyone you encounter. Appeal to the goodness. Appeal to the goodness of those who are attacking you. Beating you. That takes work. Lewis says, we studied, we prepared ourselves. You have to be taught the way of peace, the way of love, the way of nonviolence. You can say in, that in the bosom of every human being, there is a spark of the divine. So you don't have a right as a human, to abuse that spark of the divine in your fellow human being. To live into the vision of God's kingdom, to the dream, Lewis says, you have to live as if the thing you long for already exists. To do so, you have to engage what psychologists call non-complementary behavior. Complementary behavior is the normal social action, tit for tat, or maybe we should say tat for tat. <laughs> I smile, you smile. I get mad at you, you get mad at me. Your behavior mirrors my behavior. Complementary behavior. In non-complementary behavior, whatever narrative dominating interaction is interrupted. 
by someone who does the opposite of what is expected. There's this great episode of the podcast Invisibilia on non-complementary behavior. I encourage you to check it out. It's called Flip the Script. It gives an example of a family who saved their lives by inviting a deranged armed intruder to sit with them and have a glass of wine. While non-complementary behavior is a recipe for insanity, if applied universally, it can be an incredible tool for changing the narrative in social action. This was the insight, the vision that both Jesus and King understood. Jesus, turn the other cheek. King, nonviolence was non-complementary behavior. In his Nobel acceptance speech, King says, nonviolence is the answer to the crucial moral and political questions of our time. The need for man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to oppression and violence. Even early in his career, Dr. King was a master of non-complementary behavior. On January 30th, 1956, while King was at an evening meeting with members of the Montgomery bus boycott, a bomb exploded on the front porch of King's home. The bomb blew out the windows and caused damage to the home. King was alerted to the explosion and rushed to his wife, Coretta, and two-month-old Yolanda, who were inside but unharmed. Outside the house, King found an angry mob of armed men seeking to defend the leader alongside white police officers. With his house surrounded, King addressed the crowd, including reporters from the national media. He said, if you have weapons, take them home. If you do not have them, please do not seek them. We cannot solve this problem through violence. We must meet violence with non-violence. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Remember, this movement will not stop because God is with it. The crowds dispersed. Through this incredible act of non-complementary behavior, King flipped the script. He changed history He gave us all a vision of the kingdom come. What are you looking for? You who want to follow Jesus. We are looking for the kingdom. Amen.